This is the Shift Podcast. Coming up on the Shift Daily Podcast tonight, scientists have created robots that can reproduce, and they're called Xenobots. They sound scary, but it turns out that they are very dumb, but just for now. Adresi Ferreira explains why these tiny bots are amazing, how they work, and how we could use them. Plus, would you sell the rights of your face? For $200,000? In case you missed it with Ryan O'Donnell's shift heads on Facebook, weighing on Ryan's sneakers. And have you ever been banned from playing an online game? Plus, are you okay with trampolines? This is the Shift Podcast. And are you okay? Are you okay? With comedic timing. Yeah, it's like the most important part. Basically, like, right? Yeah, it's 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 so much. It is so gratifying to nail the timing, right? Because it, it makes a good joke and a bad joke. It's the it's the deal breaker. That's what makes a good comedian too. Like Jerry Seinfeld has incredible timing. Just one comedian off the top of my head. But yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the timing, as they say, is everything. I mean, if you deliver the punchline, but you deliver it way too late, people have already moved on. Dead in the water. Dead in the water. Timing. Who, who is are your guys' favorite comedians? Oh, uh, right now, I would say Tom Segura. I've yeah. seen him live. Yeah, yeah. That's what cemented him. The live show was the best I've ever been to. Um, yeah, I think I have to go with Tom Segura right now. Yeah. Do you have one, Brendan? Uh, see, I'm an old school guy as I am with everything. So like the, uh, you know, Bill Hicks and, uh, uh, those types they're not even really comedians. They're more preachers of the truth and it's just, we kind of laugh sure. at ourselves. No, I love that. Yeah, yeah. I love that. I love that. Fantastic. You mentioned Seinfeld. He's a classic. Uh, absolutely love him. Burt Kreischer. I like Burt Kreischer. All right, the most their, uh, the most important then? thing. What's that? Sorry, you got to watch their show then, right? Yeah, absolutely. Of course. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Stand up comedy is a great thing, and like we say, the most important part of comedy is the timing. And here is an example of amazing timing from a proper comedian and juggler named Michael Davis. There are two ways to do juggling tricks: with applause. And the way that we're doing them. No, no. Too late. Style. You want to be impressed. No, it's not a difficult trick. I can tell from your reaction. Right? Fantastic timing. Fantastic timing. And it is with that in mind that here is an amazing example of what not to do, how to not be funny and instead be completely tone deaf. You've probably seen this. A U.S. congressman on Saturday posted a Christmas picture of himself and what appears to be his family smiling and posing with an assortment of guns. And that's fine. But he posted that just days after four teenagers were killed in a shooting at a Michigan high school. Merry Christmas. P.S. Santa, please bring ammo. 
That's what U.S. Representative Thomas Massey of Kentucky wrote on Twitter. He represents a solidly Republican district, and he posted the picture of himself and six others holding firearms resembling an M60 machine gun, an AR-15 semi-automatic rifle, and a Thompson submachine gun. The father of one of the victims of the Parkland school shooting related to the photo on CNN. Well, that's a huge part of a problem. Um, we have we someone elected leaders like this one that think that I don't know if they're trying to be uh, ironic, funny, or what, but uh, it is the worst taste ever that you could handle on social media. Um, this is also something that should uh, teach us who should we elect and not. Uh, it's a it's a very nasty um, post, and and I think that does something like that does it. Um, does it cause more pain for no, folks like you? No, listen, okay. pain is not the problem here um, because the way that we treat this, and this is probably a message for those families in Michigan, um, I have a reason to keep on being a father, a strong reason to keep on being a father. And it, it didn't happen. I didn't feel this immediately after I lost Joaquin, but you start feeling that uh, urgency of doing other things as a father. Um, I don't feel sad when I see these kind of um, weird messages from people or threats that I had. I receive them all day long. I feel that I need to do a better job. It's, it's not working. And the reason why it's not working is the amount of victims that I just mentioned. So if you're doing something and it's not working and the result is more victims, well, you need to change the strategy. Now that there, my friends, is an example of a brave man doing a brave thing and something that we should all take note of. He's standing up for what he believes in. He's speaking out uh, with what I would call grace and class in the face of something that is pretty ugly. And uh, he's trying to make a difference. Uh, Democratic U.S. Representative John Yarmuth, who chairs the U.S. House of Representatives Budget Committee, condemned his fellow Kentuckians post saying, I promise not everyone in Kentucky is an insensitive insert word that I can't say on the radio. So you might have seen this. It was a whole bunch of places over the weekend, over the last couple of days. And the reaction to it uh, was kind of two-sided, as you might expect. Uh, A lot of people feeling the way that I think we feel here, the way that I feel, that it's not really necessary uh, and it's somewhat off-putting and in many ways kind of scary. Yeah, it's not... Like, there's nothing wrong with posting a picture of you and your guns. That's not the problem here. It's just out of respect, out of timing. Totally. And, like, I'm not even necessarily anti-gun. Like, fine. If you want to own a gun, I mean, I don't – there's a whole separate discussion there. But like you say, Ryan, it's just the timing, you know? It's just the timing. It's kind of scary stuff. Are you okay? Let's move along here. Are you okay with trampolines? No. What? Hold on. What? What? I have a story. Have you ever been double bounced on a trampoline? Of course. I have. Uh, I tore every ligament in my ankle except my ACL. And I uh, had crutches and I have chronic permanent damage because I thought it would be fun to go a little bit higher. You guys should have seen it. My ankle was a tennis ball. It was that swollen. It was nightmare. And the Worst part is that I love trampolines. They're so much fun. And now, every time I look at one, I'm reminded of when I just 
shouldn't have bounced so high. Do you do you still would you still go on one if there was one if you came over to my I, house and we had a trampoline I, in the backyard? You, do you have a trampoline? No, but we want to get no. one. We want to get. You, we might actually be getting one for the kids. It's hey, I don't judge. Yes, I would go on. I didn't go on for about four years after I waited, and then I was like, okay, I'll go on. No double bouncing, and I had a good time. But definitely, like. Uh, and I'll never go to like a trampoline park or anything like that. It's funny. The trampoline park thing, man. It's funny. They seem like the funnest place, but they, people get hurt. So many yeah, sprained ankles. So many times. Yeah. And it's just, just like a lot of people bouncing at the same time. It's just a recipe for a disaster. I don't mind a trampoline, oh, yeah. but like many things in life, as you know, with me, I'll just, I'll do it alone. Sure. There's no one else on there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what it's best. Uh, well, especially in my case. But yeah, I, I actually completely agree with you. I don't need to bounce with anybody else. Totally. One of the things that you learn uh, as a parent very quickly is anything that keeps your kids occupied and tires them out at the same time oh. is a wonderful investment. And trampolines, they check that box. And before we go any further, I'd like to insert a quick sidebar here that, Ryan, I'm a little bit disappointed that there's no clips from the Simpsons' Trama-Mamamamabopoline episode. Yeah, that's the first thing oh, I thought too. My goodness. Free Trebobopoline, right? I'll grab it after. And he yeah, takes it and he drives right. it back to Krusty and Krusty pulls a shotgun out and says, just keep driving. All right, sidebar done. Are you okay with trampolines? The bouncy death traps are a lot of fun until they very suddenly are not, insert Ryan O'Donnell. Let's take a trip down to sunny Tampa, Florida for this story involving a trampoline park and a bout of Mortal Kombat. <laughs> What does it mean to be from Florida? Florida. Straight drip. <laughs> Not quite that brutal, but there was a massive brawl involving, yes, hundreds. I will say that again. Hundreds of kids at a Tampa trampoline park, and nobody knows why. We might have some answers here from Fox 13. Two days after she recorded jarring video of a brawl at a trampoline park in Tampa. This escalated very quickly. This mother says it's still jarring to watch. They were all having fun. And then when this lady says, oh, my God, and I turn around to look, they're fighting on the right side. Sandra Bermuda says this unfolded while she was at Sky Zone on Adamo Drive with her nine-year-old son Saturday. She's not sure what started the fight, but it quickly got out of control as she recorded with her cell phone. Bermudez was scared for her much smaller son. Very. I thought he was going to get hurt. According to Hillsborough deputies, the melee involved about 200 kids, mostly teenagers. Sky Zone security can be seen trying to intervene. The business closed early to move everyone outside, and Bermudez continued rolling as the fight continued in the parking lot. Deputies can be seen responding late in the video. We're told they briefly detained and released one child, but made no arrests. I think that this would have been easier um, to control if more parents had been there because the kids were all unsupervised. Sky Zone hasn't responded to requests for comment, and it remains unclear how many security guards were there when the fight broke out or what they may try to do to prevent another squid-like brawl. Security guards at a trampoline park. It, it basically is a clip from a Simpsons television show. Yeah, it writes it really itself. Like it. That's exactly what it is. Right? Yeah. When the Simpsons, they get the trampoline, th there's the pan over the yard, and it's just a, it's like a war zone. It's a yeah. yard full of bodies with, like, sprained ankles and wrists. Yeah, it's dangerous. I mean, now they're inspiring brawls. That's a straight-up brawl there. That's crazy. It was a brawl. Yeah, I wonder, like, though, it, I'm not condoning it, 
But it, if you were going to get in a fight with someone, I feel like a trampoline park would be the most <laughs> fun place. Because, like, imagine, like, you get you get hit and you fall down, but then you land on a, tra- a trampoline. And so you, just you can bounce, bounce right, right back, back up. up. And you can, like, do some acrobats. This, it sounds like a lot of fun. I think it's terrible what happened. And it, the images, we're not doing it justice. Like, it's literally over 200 kids hitting each other inside of a trampoline park. It's bizarre. And well, of course, I, we're we're breaking the first rule of Kitty Trampoline Flight Club, and that is that you never talk about Kitty Trampoline <laughs> Fight Club. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Are you okay? Are you okay with coin tosses? I don't know. Uh, too much chance. I prefer at least a little bit of skill in my uh, competitions. Ryan, um, you're nodding along. You I agree? I don't like chance. I, I think I generally agree. Uh, you know, I was See, playing Mario Party this weekend. Okay, yeah, yeah. And in Mario Party, you can plan a, str- a strategy, but at the end of the day, if the dice roll does not agree with you, like that time I was in front of my partner, Laura, by one block, by sorry, by two blocks, for the star and I needed to roll a two to get the star before they did. And then I rolled a one and then Laura rolls a 10 and gets the star. I hate that. It drives me absolutely insane. And I think that coin tosses fall into that same level of hatred. See, here is what I like about a coin toss. Cause I'm going to say I am okay with a coin toss is I feel that it actually reveals your true intention and your true, your true desire, oh. because here, I'll give you an example. Where am I going to go for lunch today, you guys? Subway or McDonald's? I can't really decide. The three of us are like talking about going out for lunch. Subway, McDonald's, Subway, McDonald's, Subway, McDonald's. Can't decide. Let's flip a coin. Heads, we go to Subway. Tails, we go to McDonald's. It lands on heads. And we it's like Subway. And then one of us speaks up and is like, oh, I was really hoping for McDonald's. Oh, me too. Should we flip again? And then it's like, no, we don't need to because the coin toss has actually made us realize that what we really want is the McDonald's. So for that reason, I say, yes, I am okay with coin tosses. They're a common sight at sports games. And of course, the identity of one of Batman's best villains, Two-Face. No, I wouldn't. That's why I'm not going to leave it up to me. Heads, you got to keep your head. Tails, not so lucky. So, you want to tell me about the Joker? Ooh, ominous. Very good. That's from The Dark Knight. Uh, Flipping a coin and leaving it all up to chance can be risky, but fun, of course. But would you leave an election up to a coin toss? Well, that's just what happened in a town called Limpopo in South Africa. According to 24 News, the coin toss was the final deciding factor that saw the re-election of Councillor Marlene Van Staden as the mayor of a local municipality in Limpopo. Chancellors had failed with three previous attempts to elect a mayor, so they left it up to chance. Van Staden told News 24 she was shocked that her re-election was decided through a coin toss, saying, I can't believe that something like that could actually happen. It is the law when there is no clear choice. The law says if you have a tie, you must call another meeting and you must vote again and do a lot, she said. This also happened in a town in Ohio in 2019. Here's the story of that election from News 5 Cleveland. Welcome to the village of Magnolia. 
13 miles south of Canton, it's a map dot that straddles Stark and Carroll counties, a tiny town of a thousand people. Here, election day didn't turn out exactly like Grant Downs. I had prepared for uh, one of two outcomes. This was not one of them. Or Travis Boyd. I kept waiting for one more vote to come in one way. Expected. Both men running for mayor are Magnolia natives. Boyd, a staff assistant for the city of Canton, and Downs, a Magnolia Village Council member, received 127 votes apiece. When we have precinct-based races, um, you only have so many people that can, you can split in, in yeses and noes, and uh, so they are rare, but they do happen. And when they do, the Stark County Board of Elections uses this 1923-piece silver dollar to settle the score. Current Mayor Bob Leach won the mayoral election in a coin toss back in 1979. He's been mayor ever since. Who would have thought the odds of 40 years later they would be deciding on a mayor the same way they did 40 years ago? The coin has been passed down from director to director at the Board of Elections for decades. Like Grant, I'm sure I would prefer to win outright. But, you know, again, given the history, given where we have come from, I really want a coin toss. Uh, I think it just makes another great story to Magnolia. I mean, the idea that it makes a great story, yes, fine, but I just cannot imagine our political climate right now being decided by a coin toss. Oh, there would be so, like, if it was America, (laughs) there would be, like, accusations that it was a two-headed coin, all kinds of things. (laughs) (laughs) Lots of bad. Lots of bad. That's interesting. All right, so go ahead, Ryan. Yeah, yeah. I was just going to say, I just can't believe the guys just openly like, yeah, Coin toss sounds great. This is good for our car. This is great for us. Go I mean, Magnolia. I suppose on, that the only thing is it gets it over with, right? It just gets it decided instead of spending that's another fair. who knows how many million dollars on holding another election that's just going to be debated over and over again. This is the Shift Podcast. Andrew Ferreira it's weird science. Andrew Ferreira is weird. So weird, he loves science more than sleep and other people. It's time for Andrew Ferreira's weird science. Hi, Andrew. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. You're very chipper. I kind of <laughs> like that. Thanks, man. I'm just getting the getting the feeling here. I'm trying to like find my way through this. The guys have been absolutely fantastic. Uh, but I'm very excited to chat with you because I, I have so many questions about so many things, and I think you and I are going to get along uh, very well. So let's just dive right into it. Uh, there's this big headline. Uh, that Ryan sent me that just made me freak out and hopefully you can calm me down or maybe get me more freaked out. I don't know uh, about reproducing robots. I want to make sure I'm reading that right. There's robots that are reproducing. Yep. Uh, and just to allay your concerns, you're in good hands. Nobody knows what we're doing. Wait, I'm not supposed to say that. Um, <laughs> you're in good hands. Everyone here knows what we're doing. Um, yeah. It, you know, it, it it's one of those times where I kind of can't really blame um, coughs into my, the crook of my arm, the media, um, because this is actually what's actually happening. These little, I don't want to call them robots. They're technically robots, but they're also like not really robots in a way. Uh, They have learned how to reproduce. Um, No, they're not, you know, locking themselves in the upstairs bedroom for 45 minutes and, and, and laying down some Marvin Gaye. Right. Um, it, it's not the, the choice that they've taken. Um, but these living robots, they're called Xenobots, uh, which 
sounds like something horrific that would come out of like the sewers and uh, kill you while you sleep. Absolutely, it uh, does. These will not. <laughs> they are uh, about as intelligent. Um, I would say about as intelligent as a ball of cotton. Okay. <laughs> uh, that is to say, they don't really have intelligence per se. So uh, what these, yeah, keep, mm-hmm. keep going. Tell me, but so they, but they've learned to reproduce. Yeah, the, and this is all just kind of like, uh, if you want to think about it like this, like natural programming. Um, basically, what these scientists have done, they've been working on these for a number of years. Is first of all, I got to tell you what these things are. Yeah. Um, so these xenobots are actually just kind of they're collections of stem cells um, from a creature that goes by the name of Xenopus levis, or the much lamer name, uh, the African clawed frog. Okay. Um, uh, so these xenobots, like, let's call them that. I'm doing air quotes. You can't see them. That's radio. Um, but they're about a millimeter wide. So these things are actually really tiny. Um, so in 2020, uh, scientists went out and they said, hey, we can make these things move. And not only can they move, uh, but they can kind of exhibit um, cooperation. They can work together in groups uh, and they can even self-heal. Uh, and this is possible not because of horrific, sinister machinations um, uh, that are some kind of Machiavellian plot by some scientists who are working uh, in some extinct volcano caldera somewhere. Okay. <laughs> um, so rest assured, again, I'd like it's fine. It's fine. Um, but because they're made of stem cells, um, stem cells, if you're unaware of them, um, we all have a stock of them. Um, and what they do is they're basically body cells that don't really have a plan yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're kind of like me. They're just, they're, they're drifting <laughs> through college. They're like, Oh God, what am I going to do now? Um, and so until they have, you know, their life together, um, they're going to not be, um, specialized. They're going to be kind of just whatever they want to be. Um, and that allows them to do a lot. Uh, so they can essentially take the form of whatever cells they're encountering. They can take the form of uh, a programmed set of cells. Uh, and so that's kind of the magic here. Um, because these are stem cells, uh, if you can kind of program them, and they program these through AI, the, how they do this is way above uh, my knowledge level. Um, all I know is beep boop 100 computer instructions go in and cell movements come out. Um but there is some kind of interplay between the fact that these stem cells, because they are, if you want to think about it, plain, uh, they don't have any assigned function. Mm-hmm. They can kind of figure it out themselves. And that's the magic of life. Um, cells, you know, whether it's, you know, human cells or even these frog cells, um, they'll find a way because that's how we come to be, right? You know, when we're all conceived uh, after Marvin Gaye stops playing, um, you know, we kind of become, we start out as this kind of bundle of stem cells, really. Uh, and then we get chemical signals and impulses from the body that tell uh, the cells to kind of, okay, this group of cells is going to move over here and it's going to become the protobrain. And this group of cells is going to go over here and this is going to become the eyes. And this group of cells over here is going to cause crippling anxiety in 20 years. <laughs> so that's kind of like, that's kind of where it goes, right? And so the the basis behind that, which is a poorly understood topic already, um, is forming how these little millimeter-wide xenobots um, is this method by which they are, um, you know, if you want to say reproducing, is how they're reproducing. So okay. what they're really, yeah, so what they're really doing um, is they, you know, they, they 
dump these Xenobots unceremoniously, I assume, um, hopefully ceremoniously, though, um, into a kind of like a, a liquid container with other cells, uh, other loose stem cells. And so because they're all from the same animal, they're all from the same creature, they're able to, in a way, communicate with each other. So what's happening with these Xenobots is they, and it's kind of like, um, if you watch like the GIFs of it, and I will say GIFs, I will fight anyone who doesn't agree with me there. Um, no, you're definitely right if, about that. You're definitely right about good. that. Thank you. I'm okay. glad I have a support. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, but if you if you watch the GIFs and the videos and stuff, it kind of makes me think of, it makes me think of watching, you know, whenever you go outside and when it snows uh, and you're trying to make a snowman. So basically what these Xenobots are doing is roaming around and they kind of look like little Pac-Mans or I, they say Pac-Man, I say croissants. Okay. More croissant-like. So they kind of push around these loose stem cells and eventually they'll start to clump them into a ball, like a snowball. And this process eventually, as it continues far enough, the cells reach a mass, um, both literally and, you know, metaphorically, there is a mass at which they kind of become their own being. And that being can then suddenly through the magic of biology and things beyond my pay grade, um, they can make their own organisms. So it's not in the same way of like sexual reproduction, which if you didn't know, isn't just, you know, from the fun stuff. Um, it's sexual reproduction is specifically kind of the intermingling of genetic material that results in a resultant offspring uh, from two parent offsprings. This is less like that and more like a, there is all of this material around. Let's just kind of form it into a ball of dough and see what happens. <laughs> so I guess my like my biggest question is, wh like, what are we going to use this for? What are, what what's the imp the practical real world implication of this? Uh, right now, nothing. They're just kind of <laughs> neat. Great, perfect. Uh, they're they're <laughs> right right now. It's it's very much nothing. Um, they even, the researchers even say there is zero practical application for these things right now. Okay. Um, but you know, down the line, if you think, you know, 40, 50, 60 years down the line, uh, we could potentially program, if you will, uh, organisms like this to do all sorts of tasks, if you want to think about it like that. Um, so one of the things they talk about is collecting microplastics in the oceans. We could theoretically program these things, these xenobots to identify microplastics and absorb them into their bodies right? Uh, and thus cleaning up the oceans. Um, we could also perhaps dump them in some soil. And we could say your mission is to kind of go along with this nutrients in the soil and get absorbed up into a plant's root system. And, you know, essentially tell us how things are going. Um, we could also theoretically, and this is one of the holy grails of medical science, uh, because they're stem cells, we could potentially inject them into, you know, human bodies and have them autonomously identify areas that need to be patched up, which would be pretty sweet. Absolutely. Um, um, and there is one thing that I find really interesting here. Uh, the research for all of this was actually partially funded by uh, the American-based Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, which, if you didn't guess, is a federal agency that oversees the development of technology for... The military. Yeah, no, no surprise there. Shocking, right? Shocking. <laughs> so I'm sure that there will also be some kind of concerted effort to weaponize these things in the future. But what hasn't been weaponized, 
Yeah. Right. So, but the, the part, the big takeaway for me, the thing that I like the most that you said, you were talking about, uh, you know, put them in the ocean, get them to absorb microplastics, put them in the soil, get them to identify how, how we grow things. So it feels a lot more, uh, you know, we'll, they'll, they'll work together for our benefit as opposed to they're going to reproduce at a rapid rate so that they can take over humanity. Yes. They're, yeah, the, the, well, nothing's impossible. <laughs> Let's, let's hope it doesn't get there. <laughs> but like, uh, we really have to, you know, look at these and say these are literally just millimeter long clumps of stem cells from um, the uh, from an African frog. Um, that right now they're a novelty. Uh, we can rudimentarily, uh, rudimentarily uh, program them. Um, we can kind of analyze and look at the behavior that they exhibit, and that's interesting. Um, and the fact that they have now kind of, air quotes, learned how to kind of scrape up um, loose stem cells and bundle them up like a snowman and turn them into brand new organisms is incredibly cool. Um, I almost didn't believe it when I saw it. I was almost certain that like, yeah, no, nah, nah, nah. This is one of those like media, like, like newsroom writers don't understand what's in the, the paper for this. They don't know what they're actually talking about. But no, that's exactly what they're talking about. Um, so I was, you know, I was jazzed. Yeah, it's very cool stuff. And so far, it sounds like not as scary or as dangerous as I initially thought. I'm just thinking of these little croissants, these little croissants connecting with each other and forming big croissant snowballs. That's essentially what's happening. They're just little, little, little jelly looking croissant things that bump into each other and swim in circles. Quick question before we dive into some of the weird sciencey stuff, because uh, I definitely have more questions about that. How would you feel if somebody got you a secondhand gift this Christmas? Fine, fine. It depends on the gift. Yeah, but if it was like something that you had asked for and something that you had been talking about and thinking about, and if somebody went and found it in a thrift store, that's totally cool with you. There's a movement that's happening uh, in the name of sustainability and less consumerism and stuff, so we've kind of been talking about that. So totally cool with you, hey? Yeah, I just I just don't want secondhand underwear. <laughs> Fantastic. I don't think that's something you need to worry about. One of the things I am kind of worried about, though I saw this story a few places this week, is that there's a robotics company in New York City that's advertising that they're offering $200,000 for the right to use a person's face on a robot. It's called Promobot. Have you heard about this? <laughs> yeah, it's horrifying. Okay, so it's not just me. This is great. The first segment, I was like, I'm a little scared. And you're like, no, nah, it's cool. It's just croissants making snowballs. This segment, I'm like, I'm a little scared. And you're like, it's horrifying. Please go on. Yeah, I don't like it. I don't think there's necessarily something um nefarious or um untoward i just find it uncanny valley kind of okay uh, heebie-jeebies like um, the but, they're saying hmm. that they're, they they just want happy and relatable and friendly faces and the best way to do that is to find people with friendly faces and pay them for use of their face yeah and you know the 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 company says you know it's two hundred grand American and uh, you forfeit the rights to your face and voice to use for robot development, which you know when you think about it you get paid a you know a fifth of a million dollars to forfeit the rights for your face. Eh, I don't know about that. See, um, <laughs> we were talking about it here in studio, and one of my reactions is, 
Are they just going to take my face anyways? Doesn't Facebook have the right to all of my pictures? And couldn't they sell that to these people? And then they could computer generate my face. And if I have an opportunity to get 200 grand for it, I better get it while the getting's good. Because I feel like these robots are just going to end up taking our faces and voices anyways. Yeah, that, that's a fair thing to think. And I mean, I don't blame you for that because I kind of had that exact same thought uh, when I was reading this over. Uh, I actually saw this. Where did I see it? I saw this probably a, 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 maybe a couple of days ago. Um, but yeah, I kind of thought, well, I mean, it's kind of at some point they're just going to kind of pull the wool over us, if you will. Uh, and yoink our faces to be put on some horrific robot somewhere in Venezuela. But um, I feel like this is, well, it's proactive, right? It's a proactive way of saying we want to try and do things in a slightly better, less horrific way, um, which I appreciate. Um, <laughs> thank you for your slightly less horrific take. Right? Like, thank you. But I, I here's here's where I think about this. Um, unless you can really, and I mean really, like properly recreate the the human face and all of the subtleties in it um a lot of people get creeped out um and you know in usage has shown that you know you look at roombas they don't even have faces but they're the cutest little buggers on the sure planet, yeah absolutely right like we don't uh, here's my thing i don't think ex- outside of certain uh you know niche uses like in care homes for instance um, where you might need, you know, uh, even if it's like a, a fake air quote, human to human interaction, you kind of need that. But for stuff like what they're trying to, this company is trying to, they're called Promobot, uh, is trying to do, they're using, they want to have a human robot assistant, which, you know, they'll work in hotels, malls, other things like that. Why not just have it be some like, I don't know, cute dot matrix face. Right. Like, it, doesn't, it doesn't have to be a person. Um, they want I understand, and I think in the future we'll be able to have, um, you know, photorealistic faces that move in a way that isn't, you know, viscerally horrifying to me. Um, But for now, like, again, what's wrong with, like, making a nice little hat out of some felt and just sticking it on your Roomba? Yeah, I get that. What's the point in having a robot butler if you can't tell that it's a robot butler, right? Well. Well, exactly. That's another thing. And you could also, and there will be arguments saying, well, we want to make, we want to make like a human. And I'm like, I'm sure in the future that'll be possible. But for the time being, you know, we don't have the technology yet and, you know, we'll develop it eventually, I believe. But for now, what's wrong with just sticking some cute face on it? Like, you know, like a dot matrix kind of smiley face. Um, there's a lot of like in Asia, you see a lot of um, robot uh, West restaurant waiters and waitresses, wait, tra- servers. Wait, already? Um, they have this already? Yep. R- restaurant yep. servers that are robots? Yep. They're just like little robots that like scoot around the restaurant and like the, the chef or the, you know, the head of the front of the, of the front of house will kind of tell them what, you know, what table to go to and they'll do it. Um, they also have them in hotels for what it's worth. Uh, and it's really cute. There's some videos of them that go around where, like, if the robot will come to your room and ask if you want any food or anything. And then if you say no, it makes a sad face. <laughs> it's like, no, don't guilt me, you little. And it's less but, horrifying if it's a robot sad face than a human sad face. If it was a human sad face, I would probably scream. Excellent. Like, that ain't happening. Well, I'm glad to know that uh, your your concerns are not that horrifying. They're only somewhat horrifying and that you're actually I feel a little better knowing that you're actually okay with me like 
taking the money because there's a big part of me that would want to do this. It's Weird Science. Andrew Ferrer, thanks so much for joining us, man. I really dig the conversation and I'm looking forward to more of it. Yeah, I do. Take the money and run. This is The Shift Podcast. It's In Case You Missed It with Ryan O'Donnell. In case you missed it on the radio, here's four easy payments. O'Donnell. Ding. Ding. It's, uh, it's funny we should use that one because we have to start with uh, something expensive. Oh. On this time of the day, of the week, of the of the year. I don't know. Uh, every Sunday is what I was trying to say. We gather here and, uh, you guys get to judge my sneakers and, uh, I put them up online of the shift uh, Facebook page and, uh, you get to see what I wear. I mean, we talk about it all the time here. Well, and by we, I mean me, and I've been having a lot of fun with this. Uh, four shoes have been put up for you all on the Facebook to judge. And I got to say last week, this pair got the highest interaction ever. I got some amazing comments, amazing reactions. It's time to give them a grade. It's time to take a look at the most recent pair of shoes that I put up on the Facebook page from my collection. You know, like sneakers, I could identify. Converse, Adidas, I know all that stuff. I know sneakers. I know sneakers pretty well. And what I know even better is South Park which is why the Adidas collaboration with South Park was an absolute must for me. Uh, the last pair of shoes that went up on the Facebook page were the Adidas Towley sneakers, a shoe inspired by the talking pot-smoking towel from my favorite TV show of all time, South Park. Uh, the shoe f- is, the upper is made from a towel. Uh, it's a pretty simple-looking shoe. And it also features the eyes of this classic character. When exposed to sunlight, they change to be bloodshot, just like he's enjoying, uh, you know, just enjoying his time with a, with a doobie. Uh, I put these up on the Facebook page expecting, you know, a couple of comments. But oh my word. Holy crap, Shiftheads. You guys loved these amazing uh, comments. Almost 50 comments. And... Uh, a lot of tens, a lot of, I'm just going to tell you, the average is a, a shift out of shift. There was only one person who did not like these shoes on here. I'm not going to name them. That's okay. You're not allowed to, you are allowed to not like my shoes. Uh, people I used to work with at CHQR in Calgary commented on these. And Brendan, hold your breath. I don't think you're going to believe this, but I would like to read you a comment from Tate. I remember how hyped these were on release. I'm still kind of salty I didn't get a pair. Gotta give it an 8 or a 9. And as another sneaker nerd, I've got my black Levi's Jordan 4s on today. I found another sneakerhead who listens to the shift. Oh, wow. I'm so excited. Tate, you made my day, buddy. Amazing. The smile on Ryan's face is just like, you're beaming, man. I love it. I I am beaming. And uh, yeah, so thank you all. I really do. I love that you can all see this kind of part of my life that I talk about all the time and you get to have your input. So I thought for this next edition, we should just, whoop, I almost dropped my phone as I was trying to post oh, it on no, Facebook. Don't do that. No. We're okay. I thought, why don't we keep it a little gimmicky? I kind of, these shoes are a little gimmicky and I love that. So let's stick with the theme by posting a picture of 
my Lego shoes. Ooh, okay. Earlier this year, Adidas had a collaboration with Lego. And these shoes are incredible. Features a bunch of different colors, Lego studs, the Lego logo. It's a Lego shoe. Oh, look at that. That is cool. You would imagine what a shoe collaboration with Lego would look like. It it's that. Uh so this is what you gotta do. Head on over to the Facebook page, the Shift Radio Show on Facebook, and rate them from a scale from one to shift, and we'll see if they beat the tallies. I know there's a lot of Lego nerds up on here on the love to listen to the show. So even if you don't like shoes, you might love these. And uh, I'm going to give some consumer advice before we get into some more stories. A lot of people message me about where to buy the Towley shoes. I have some bad news. These shoes resell on the secondary market, which is the only place you can find them for about $700. Oh my goodness. Whoa. Yes. Yes. Four easy wow. payments. Yeah. So four now, easy payments. Yeah, for sure. At what point, Ryan, do you consider selling the shoes to make it to make seven hundred dollars? I've sold a couple. I sold. I've sold some pairs, but okay. I would never sell these. These are never, like, never. What these are my grails. These are amazing. I love these so much. Okay. And as a South Park fan, I could never do it. Okay. Uh, there's a couple of pairs. I mean, uh, on my shelf that are worth quite a bit, but I love them. I don't wear them to make money. I wear them because I like them. True collector. You know? Now, aren't they I like cars, though? Don't they devalue over time? Uh, it depends. It depends. It is interesting, though. There are people who buy Jordan, who bought Jordans in the 90s and put them in a box and never touched them. And then they brought them out to sell. And then the second they pick them up, they completely turn to dust and crumble in their Whoa, hands. Whoa, so, Seriously? Yes, look it up. Seriously, it, it it turns to dust, except the leather and everything. So wear your shoes. Yeah, all I want to say one day too, all of these will turn to dust in my hands, and it oh, will suck. No good. <laughs> you know, I I love that. I do like that you wear them. The po- you when you put the tallies on, you you mentioned that you walked outside right to get the eye the eyes to change and stuff. Yes, I I totally think that if you buy vinyl, listen to it. If you yeah. cars are meant for driving, shoes are meant for yes. wearing. You know, yes. being a collector and and. Certain things like maybe your one pair, your holy grail pair, or whatever. Enjoy it, man. Life is short. Love yeah, that. You got it. Absolutely. Uh, thank you for supporting my incredibly oh, yeah. toxic addiction to sneakers. Hey, the heart wants what the heart wants, right? Heart exactly. wants. Yeah, straight. <laughs> awesome. So thanks so much once again for the interaction. We love it on the shift uh, at the Facebook page. Check it out. In the meantime, let's get into a story that you might have missed, but it is absolutely something we need to talk about. According to U.S. intelligence reports, Russia is boosting its troop deployment in the Ukraine for a potential offensive. Because just a reminder, the Ukraine and Russia are at war and have been at war since 2014. The annexation of Crimea is one of the most fascinating things that I've ever witnessed in my life. Like when I started getting into the news was about 2014 when I was just graduating high school and I was reading this thinking like this sounds like the plot out of like a video game this sounds like a call of duty thing but no this is very real uh the aggression that Putin Vladimir Putin the president of the of the uh, Russian Federation has shown is uh insane and because he was Trump was very lenient with Russia uh, you know Putin really stepped up his aggression. And now this is the first chance where Biden is going to have to put Putin in his place, or at least try to. And I know, 
like when you think like when I think of Biden, I just remember him eating ice cream with Obama. You know, he's like just just kind of this nice, quiet guy. I can't really see him as a strong arm, but he's going to have to do that if this is the case, if these reports are true. So the important thing is that Putin and Biden are going to be actually speaking in a video call on Tuesday as these tensions are skyrocketing in Russia. Uh, so it, it is a potential invasion. Now, what does that invasion look like? Who knows? Uh, so here's a great summary of what we do know from Global's Jennifer Johnson. Tens of thousands of Russian troops are mobilized on the border with Ukraine. U.S. intelligence officials believe Russia is planning a swift military offensive, even putting in supply lines for medical units and fuel to support a drawn-out conflict. What we've been seeing in, in recent weeks is deeply, uh, deeply concerning. The most important thing is for Russia to pull back the forces that it's massed, because resolving anything diplomatically when a gun is being held to someone's head uh, is, is very, very difficult. Ukrainian soldiers are ready for war. This military supervisor says he has fighters who've come to the front line for the first time. U.S. President Joe Biden says he will tell Russia to stand down when he talks with President Vladimir Putin Tuesday. We're going to have a long discussion. Russia wants some control over Ukraine, once part of the Soviet Republic, but now an ally of the West. Russia is demanding the West stop Ukraine from joining NATO. U.S. military leaders say if Russia invades, they will not look away. We are certainly uh, committed to helping uh, Ukraine defend its sovereign territory. As tensions rise, lawmakers and the Biden administration are considering economic sanctions and bans on Russia from doing business with U.S. companies to pressure Putin to leave Ukraine alone. It's up to us in the Congress to make clear that we are going to be diplomatic, political and military partners with Ukraine, that we are going to provide them with increased military assistance so that they can defend themselves. Since the start of the conflict with Russia in 2014, the West has helped Ukraine build up its military. Putin has denied any intention of launching an offensive, but Western leaders want the Russian military to pull back immediately. Jennifer Johnson, Global News, Washington. It is a fascinating part of the world in terms of uh, geopolitics. Now, here's a stat that might surprise you. Currently, since 2019, 7% of all of Ukraine is under Russian occupation. Almost 10% of their country is under Russian occupation. Now, it's a lot. It's a lot. That is a lot. Of it land. doesn't say, when you hear 7%, you don't think that much, but that's a lot. That's a, that's a enormous, ton. Yeah. And Ukraine is a very large is a large country. And it's inter Ukraine uh, became independent from the Soviet Union in 1991. And ever since then, I mean, I, a lot of my friends growing up are Ukrainian. And one thing I know about Ukrainians is that Ukrainians have a very strong national identity. Some of them definitely see themselves as Russians, but most Ukrainians from what I've seen are Ukrainian, not Russian. And that's why this conflict is very difficult to uh, for on an international stage to kind of remedy because nobody wants all out full on war, which is unlikely. That's just not really how wars are fought anymore because uh, the risks are too high. But at the same time, you don't want a drawn out conflict like this. So something needs to happen here. Biden is in a very strong position. Now, it would be a huge win for his administration points wise if he can get Russia to back down. That would be enormous. But it's Putin. It's Vladimir Putin 
it's not going to be easy. Um, but one of the reasons I wanted to bring this up is that Omicron and there's a lot of issues at home that we are looking at. And this definitely flew under a lot of people's radars, but big developments are going to happen this week. And we'll have a clearer picture of what the next step in this war looks like, because as a reminder, they are still very much at war. Which is crazy to me. Uh, anyway, switching gears a little bit, my friends. Uh, Scott, Brendan, I don't really know if you have an answer for this question, but have either of you ever been banned in a video game? Um, I'm trying to think. Probably the closest I've ever gotten would be when my parents took the controllers away from the original Nintendo. Okay. And yeah. I wasn't allowed to play because I wouldn't finish homework. That sounds like a made-up story, but it's absolutely true. That's the closest I've ever been from being banned, I think, from video yeah. from gaming. Yeah. Yeah, we've all been Otherwise there. never never like never from an online game. I don't think I've ever okay. like online gamed. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm too agreeable, too much of a sportsman. You know, I just, yeah, I just always, I follow the rules. Shake hands. Just, yeah, and, shake hands. Yep. Yeah. May the best player win. Well, I've only been banned twice uh, in my life. You know, you, our, you say no. only twice, but that does no. seem high to be it banned does. from well, okay, video but, Twice seems but, like a lot. Uh, bear with me here. The first was when I was like eight years old. No, older than that. Probably like 11, playing Club Penguin. Okay. And, which was like an online game where you could, you know, make a penguin character and play some mini games with people. It's just a web browser game. It was huge, though. I typed butt into the chat and I got it. Oh, I can't do that. Yeah, no, can't type yeah, butt. Can't do that. Can't oh, type no. butt. Uh, <laughs> and the other time, I was playing what was my favorite game at the time. It's called World of Tanks. And I was teaching my friend how to play it. It's like a, it's just a multiplayer online game with tanks in it. It's fun. Uh, and I was teaching him how to play, and we were playing low tier, so really simple tanks, small ones. And there's this one tank that was very fast, and instead of like a bang reload gun, it had a clip, and it was like like an auto reloader. It fired very very fast, and I was on an absolute tear. I was on seven kills, which is crazy high. I was having one of the best games I've ever had. And then right at the very end, one of my allies drove in front of me, and I unloaded an entire clip into that tank's butt, and then I got banned for that, for only a day. Uh, but it, interesting that both times uh, involved the butt. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, this, though, is a bit much. I have never been banned quite like this. And I I agree. I think you'll agree with me. I don't think anybody's ever really been banned like this. I mean, you, you there's a, a lot of big online games use engines to protect and stop from cheating, coding, and firewalls to stop people from cheating and bots it, it still happens and if you get banned these days it's probably for something like that there are people that get banned for doing something inappropriate this is interesting to me so forza horizon 5 which is a racing game that i very much would like to play i can't yet because it's on xbox and computer and my computer cannot run this it would implode if it tried it's a very beautiful game uh, it launched last month to a crazy high reception. More than 1 million players had the game downloaded before it was even launched. And it's uh, it's up 
it, it's in the millions of players right now still it's very high and it's already getting some game of the year nods it looks incredible now the game is noted for an amazing car customization engine you know you can use shapes to create whatever you want uh do simple designs big designs i of course in the last game made a bunch of cars that had nike symbols on them because i was like i think that's cool which it's not but it's cool to me uh well a guy made a very interesting skin for his car it's kfc inspired so you know red and it's got like kind of the blue or red and white striped like bucket design but instead of colonel sanders it's uh, north korean dictator kim jong-un made to look like colonel sanders uh it has the hashtag send nukes uh pyongyang pirelli logo and changing the word nike to nuke which um it, I, I will give him credit. It looks incredibly accurate. I don't know how he managed to do it with just using geometric shapes to build it. Uh, but he was banned for making this. Take a guess. How long do you think the suspension was for this 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 design? It's got to be like it's got to be like a year. A year. A year. Yep. I'm gonna say several. A lot of years, possibly mm-hmm. into the centuries. A century? Okay, that's... Well, you're actually not wrong, because uh, by the time this guy can play yeah. Forza Horizon 5 again, um, not only will we all be dead, but every generation well, ahead of us will be dead. <laughs> oh, do you think you can live another 8,000 years? I don't know. There's a lot of advancements <laughs> being made in medicine. That's very true. And with your diet and all the kale, I mean... Yeah, that's true. Exactly. Right track. If anyone's going to live 8,000 yeah. years, absolutely. You're on the right track. Well, yes, he was banned until December 31st, the year 9,999. I, I, I kind of read ahead, so that's why I... <laughs> Scott, this is kind of, he likes this to do is this. what I do. Okay, I mean, I cheat what a he lot does. At this game. Okay, yeah, man. Good to know. Good to yeah. know. Uh, does the punishment fit the crime, Ryan? I don't think 8, it does. Thousand years. I think it's kind of a just ridiculous. a general. I think they kind of saw that and went, okay, they, we can't let him do that. Totally. Uh, slap a ban on him, and well, the, I, I'm guessing it was like an intern, and he asked his boss, "How long can I ban him for?" And the guy just said, "Max," and so he did, which was the year. 9,999, which we will absolutely have to go through another Y2K. Yeah. Right. Well, I was going to (laughs) say, is this like a sports league? Can he like file an appeal with the appeals board and get it lowered to like 5,000 years or something? uh, Maybe 5,000. I imagine he'll probably Something a little more reasonable. 5,000. You know, 4,500 years. Just one millennium. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. 7,999 even. Any bit helps. Totally. Well... Uh, anyway, he's probably just going to make a new account and play it that way. Oh, it's, uh, that's but, all you have to do? That's, that's, <laughs> uh, yeah, he, he's do, probably right? just going to do that. Gaming stuff. I have no yes. idea. Yeah, I, I, I don't even like to play online that much, if I'm honest. So, anyway, oh, yeah, I just thought that was... get crazy and type butt into the chat and get banned. Get yourself, shoot, yeah, on a watch list or something. Butt, totally. Dangerous. But. Yeah. But. Uh, okay, so it is now officially December 6th, which is a very important date in history because this week marks 80 years since Japan attacked Pearl Harbor, which is just 80 years is just an insane number to me because I mean, I just growing up knowing, watching so many things about Pearl Harbor and 
and and World War II in general, and to think that it's now the 80th anniversary, and that there's only so many veterans left who are alive to remember it and see it uh, is is kind of, I mean, very sad. But we are now a day, uh, December 7th is the day that it actually happened. Uh, but one of the interesting things about Pearl Harbor is that that attack on Hawaii from Japan caused Canada to shoot up its security concerns on the West Coast. I mean, we, when we think about World War II, we don't really think about it here at home, but there were huge kind of t- huge implications home. Japanese internment camps are a very dark past in Canadian history, but also, I mean, there were submarine nets and torpedo defenses all along, uh, like Halifax and all that. I mean, this country had to go through preparations and there is a small island off the coast of BC that had to be completely fortified to protect the Pacific coast. Here's Jay Durant. December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. This year marks the 80th anniversary of Japan's attack on Pearl Harbor, an event that put defenses along North America's west coast on high alert, including here on Tiny York Island in Johnston Strait, a site the Canadian military had picked as a good location for coastal defense before the outbreak of the Second World War. That made the war suddenly seem real because people on the west coast of Canada hadn't felt um, the significance of the war. Suddenly, it, it, the western side of the country felt very vulnerable. Construction on this coastal defense site began in 1937, and during the war, York Island became home for about 200 military personnel. Docks were constructed, guns mounted, and searchlights installed to help fortify BC's coast. They had an expert come in coastal defense come from Britain. He thought York Island was a good location uh, because it's north of Vancouver. Japanese planes that might be um, en route over the north end of Vancouver Island heading towards Vancouver could be intercepted. So this is my dad here in the middle. Claudette Schulte's father was stationed there. There were some long days isolated on this remote island. It told me about... Um, them having a a ball diamond. So they played baseball there. Other than that, I don't remember him talking about other, other activities. These are stairs leading up to the officers' quarters. Nature has reclaimed a lot of the site, but some structures still remain. A reminder of a time filled with so much tension when BC faced uncertainty about potential attacks during the Second World War. There was that sense that it could happen. And so I think that there was fear, you know, and there was some trepidation that they could be in danger and that they might have a role to play. Jay Durant, Global News. And uh, you can see that. I mean, the Japanese, fun, if you didn't know this, the Japanese actually put bombs in weather balloons and sent them across the ocean. And in fact, one bomb killed one person in, I believe it was Washington State, uh, years after the war. So there was always this threat. It was a very real threat. And so it's interesting to note the defenses we put up to protect against it, the people that did it, the stories. And it is a very American war story, Pearl Harbor. But we did feel it here at home in Canada. I think it is worth noting. And uh, I think it's important we note that date, December 7th, 1941. 
Thanks for listening to the Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.